Welcome to the Particle Podcast, where we talk about science and the people who just love it. My name is Rose, and I have a confession to make. I still close my eyes in hospital scenes in movies, and one of my own friends is living out her dreams working in one. Today, I am joined by Carly Fraser, final year medical student and crazy plant lady. We had a chat about burnout, travel, and learning by doing. Let's stethoscope out what it's like to be a med student. Welcome to the podcast, Carly. Hi. I'm going to start, of course, by asking, what do you do? I'm a student doctor at the moment. I'm in my last year, which has been thrown up into turmoil a little bit at the moment with the current situation. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later. But before we get too far into it, I want to know, how long have you wanted to study medicine? I get asked this a lot. Um, I got asked it by my consultant the other day as well. And to be honest, uh, my favourite book growing up was Dr. Dog by Babette Cole. Oh. And it's about a dog who goes to bone conferences in Brazil, who's also a doctor. Oh, my goodness. And he gets called back <laughs> early because his dysfunctional family, the Gumbles, get sick. Um, and they're all that one of them smoking behind the bike shed and has a cough and <laughs> one of them does too many cartwheels and gets dizzy and it oh kind of ends with Dr. Dog having to take a sabbatical for his mental health after <laughs> granddad blows the roof off the house after drinking too much beer and eating baked beans. Um, so that's the reason. It's a kid's book? Yeah, it's a kid's book. It's a great book. Um, so yeah. I think from a young age after reading that, I decided to be a doctor. And you're a dog lover as well, so that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my mum's a nurse as well, and you know how you want to be like your mum, but I like the dog story better. <laughs> Don't tell your mum that. No, I won't. So I know you from time at uni, and I know you was a pretty cool person, but were you a nerd at school? I'd say probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, went to, I went to school in Bustleton, so we had a pretty yeah. small cohort. And we all got on pretty well and I was never picked on for being a nerd or anything. And I enjoyed reading and studying and was crap at sports. But um, yeah, so I was definitely probably a nerd. And science was always something that you'd enjoyed? Yeah, I loved science. Um, I used to get those science experiment books that they sell for kids and put eggs in vinegar and stuff like that. So that was always something I enjoyed. And I did chemistry and physics and all that jazz through high school. But I also did all my arts units as well, so my visual art and history. And do you remember the moment or when you actually decided for sure, yes, I am going to do medicine? I had a, this is when I was 12, we had to do an assignment on what we wanted to be when we grew up. And before that, I had toyed with the idea of being an author or a carpenter. I still kind of want to be a carpenter. I'm not sure I've made the right choice. <laughs> I want to make kitchen tables. I think that would just be a very rewarding career. Um, yeah. but yeah I have to stick to saving lives instead um, <laughs> so I had, had to do this assignment for school we had to make a poster about what we wanted to be when we grew up and lots of other people did really cool things like airline hostesses and it turns out there's heaps of restrictions on how you, you become an airline hostess but oh. I, did, I did pediatrician and I kind of thought then oh, oh wow. well I've done the assignment now I may as well say that's what I want to be when I grow up and now here, here you and are. here I am <laughs> <laughs> After all of my, yeah, seven years of uni later. Jumping in so we're all on the same page, Carly studied at the University of Western Australia. 
It's a three-year undergrad in anything you want and then a four-year postgrad. Two and a half years of that is spent in hospitals. And in your third year, a quarter of the students go out to the country. The structure is a little bit different if you start at UWA now. Wow, that is a very long time to be studying. Do you ever feel like you're running out of steam and you've just been studying for way too long? It feels like that, but I think because once we graduate and actually start working, you work for a couple of years, then you enter a training program which involves further study and then even after that you're continuously studying and researching and um, constantly learning throughout your life. So kind of think you can't run out of steam. You just kind of have to accept you're always going to be studying. So you've come out of school and you're going to university. How did it feel to be living out that dream that you had when you were a kid and kind of stepping onto campus in those early years? Uh, It didn't really feel like I was there yet because (laughs) I'd, I'd just taken a gap year and worked for a year full time in a pharmacy, which I really enjoyed and it enabled me to travel to Vietnam and Cambodia and I had a great time doing that. But once I got to uni, because it's a postgraduate course, I had to do three years of something completely different. Mm -hmm. And there was no restrictions because they hadn't introduced an undergraduate course yet. Um, So I have friends who did finance or art or really a bit of anything. So I did three years of physiology before I went into actual medicine. Looking from an outsider's perspective, how does physiology differ from what you do now? So physiology kind of zooms in on it a lot. So with physiology, you're looking at cells or you're looking at how a body system works or what chemicals are released, um, what happens during exercise, what happens when you eat, that sort of thing. Whereas with medicine, you're looking more at the whole person. So there's still elements of physiology that you need to know, but you don't need to know it in as much depth. But you need to know a lot about other things as well. So physiology, there's not a big emphasis on anatomy or pathology, so diseases or what happens when you get sick. But in medicine, you have to know all that plus the physiology. Is there a particular part of your studies that has really engaged you and made you particularly interested? I did a year in the country last year and worked up in Carnarvon. And coming from Busseldon, I always thought, oh, I'll go back and work somewhere rurally um, when I finish. But Carnarvon was a lot more rural than Busseldon is. For those of you who don't know where it is, it's about 900 kilometres north of Perth on the mouth of the Gascoigne River. And it's you've probably heard of Carnarvon bananas because it's a pretty lush horticultural area and they have... They export, I think, something like 80% of WA's fresh fruit and veg. That's a lot. But it's only got a population of about 4,500. Yeah, okay. So it's small. And working there in those hospitals, we had a lot more responsibility because there weren't as many doctors. We knew everyone in town, (laughs) which is a bit different to the people you treat in a hospital in Perth because you don't know most of them. Whereas Mm. in Carnarvon, you knew people from the pub or from Woolies (laughs) or you just which kind of made it a bit of a different relationship. And the doctors there were absolutely amazing. They could do, there wasn't really any subspecialization. They could do anything. Oh. So if someone came in with a sore ear, they could fix it. Or if someone came in with a sore leg, they could fix it. Someone came in with something weird and wonderful or an infection that they'd caught out fishing, then they'd fix it. And yeah. I think that 
kind of what appealed to me was the generalism, being able to do a lot of things well. Is the longevity for doctors in those regions shorter because they maybe get worn out or do do you think that doctors like to stay out there because it is so varied? I think a lot of people choose it for the lifestyle. Um, Ah. So the doctors that I were working with were mostly Dutch kite surfers who'd come to Australia that had been one of the first places they'd stopped and just had never left. That's wild. But they were wild. They were great fun. (laughs) It sounded like you got to do quite a bit of exploring uh, up in that region. What was that like? Uh, Really, really good for us. Not so good for our study or marks. Um, But (laughs) the camping up there was phenomenal. You'd be a couple of metres off the beach at most spots. And then if you go inland, you can get to places like Karajini quite easy, which is beautiful. Was there a bit of an adjustment period coming from Perth and metro hospitals and going into regional hospitals? Um, just before I moved to Carnarvon, I think I had about a four-day stopover in Perth. I'd been in India for a month volunteering wow. in clinics there. So going from – I wouldn't say that going from Perth to Carnarvon was a massive jump because hospitals are hospitals. They all smell the same. Um, patients are all treated the same. The same kind mm-hmm. of people work there. But going from India to Carnarvon was a big jump. What was that experience of being there and studying there like? I wasn't studying there at the time and I wasn't really in hospitals. I was in clinics through a oh. organisation that works with Interhealth, which is the um, Western Australian Medical Student Society Global Health Arm. So I was just working in clinics, mainly dressing wounds and giving injections and taking blood pressures, a lot of blood <laughs> pressures. Um, and obviously there was the massive language barrier so all yeah. I can say in Bengali is Ami Bangla Bolti Parina, which means I don't speak Bengali. <laughs> Handy. <laughs> Very useful. But it, it just the facilities, they, they had nothing there. Yeah. And the way that they were treating some of the skin infections. So obviously there was no other option, but we were just dousing kids in betadine. Yeah, trying to do the best um, you can with what you've got. Yeah, but then when you're cleaning in the dirty water, there's not really – Kind of all feels a bit futile, to be honest. Wow. So India to briefly back to Perth to go into Carnarvon. And then where did you go next? I had to do an elective as part of my course and you can decide where you want to go. So some people choose to stay within WA, some go interstate and probably quite a few of us, more than half, go um, overseas. Which we also get a bit of a subsidy from the government and the university to do that. So a lot of people take advantage of it and make a bit of a holiday out of it. I was lucky enough to get a place in New York with one of my really good friends, Jamie. And going from Carnarvon with a population of about 4,500 to New York with a population of a couple of million was huge. Yeah. What was it like in the hospitals in New York? Were they as, as bustling and busy as you'd expect? I was in a pretty flash hospital, so I was in Tishk and Kimmel. It's in Manhattan, kind of in the middle bit towards the east. I still don't remember the areas that I was in, but (laughs) I'm a terrible (laughs) traveller. But it was very swish compared to some of the hospitals I'd been working in before in Carnarvon. Um, And I think the healthcare system is quite different to ours. So we're we're taught to – well, in Carnarvon we had limited resources, obviously, and Mm. our pathology lab didn't run all the time, and people only really got an X-ray if they needed one. We didn't have ultrasound or MRI. You had to drive to Geraldton if you wanted an MRI. Goodness. Uh, Whereas 
in New York, everyone who came through the emergency department got a chest X-ray on admission. Wow. There were so many doctors treating them that tests were done all the time for everything, which I found really odd because we're kind of taught to clinically reason. So you do some tests, then you move on to the next tests and so on. So also the way they taught was quite different. So there was a big emphasis on teaching where a lot of the time we learn through just opportunistic following of people and then Googling frantically later when they're not looking (laughs) in case you get asked a question. Do you ever have moments where you just think, I can't believe I'm doing this, I'm sewing someone's skin back together? Um, Normally the patient's awake and they're having a chat with you, which distracts you from that, (laughs) which is fine. I have passed out before a couple of times in surgery. Uh, oh during, my goodness. Leg, during things like leg amputations and they're just gross. Have you ever doubted your decision to study medicine? Only occasionally. I think I've chosen the right career for me. Um, but in saying that, I haven't worked in it yet. So Is it scary who to knows? picture? Might change yeah. my mind down the track. Hopefully I not. sometimes look at all the bad things happening in the world with the environment and think, have I chosen the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, should I have been an environmental engineer or something where I could make more of a difference? But I think making a difference for the people that you do treat, looking at it more on that individual level, and it is rewarding. So your boyfriend is an engineer and you're both scientists, but have you ever noticed a different way of thinking? Because medicine is so different to engineering even though they're both sciences yeah medicines it's technically a science but it's almost more of an art the way that Mm. you approach things Um, it's very human based and very empathetic whereas engineering there's not so much of that yeah I'm trying to think of an example where that is shown probably the way we organize our fridge (laughs) You quite enjoy art uh, and I know you like music as well. Do you find that that's something that you're able to maintain an interest in even when you are so busy with your studies? Uh, Yeah, especially because we were kicked out of the hospital for so long this year. Yeah. It was a bit nice to have the evenings off to do some art. Obviously couldn't go see live music or anything like that. How did COVID affect your final year of study? We've been lucky in that we're still on track to graduate this year. They've done a lot, the faculty, to make up our lost time in the clinical setting. And we've had a lot of online shoots, but we got pretty much kicked out of the hospitals as soon as it all really started to arc up. So I was meant to be on placement down in Bustleton and Bunbury for a rural GP term and got sucked out of that. Mm -hmm. I got taken back to Perth because of the um, border closures. And all the other students had the same thing, or who were on that placement had the same thing happen to them. But it hasn't it, been too different. That's good. Does it feel, I don't know, when you see things like the pandemic breakout, does it make you kind of feel like, oh, I'm glad that in the future I'll be able to help? Or does it feel kind of scary? I definitely feel glad in the future that I'll be able to help. I felt absolutely awful being stuck at home doing nothing during oh. all this, especially after being in New York where they've obviously been hit really hard mm-hmm. by this especially in the last couple of weeks and we were on a pulmonary ward or a respiratory oh. ward as we call it in Australia so dealing with lungs 
so most of the COVID patients are now under the team that I was on. Goodness. So the the people, absolutely wonderful, lovely doctors who looked after us have been dealing with the brunt of it. Yeah. But there's definitely an element of guilt in being able to sit at home nice and safe in Australia, which is so socially isolated from the rest of the world. We've Mm -hmm. been socially distancing in Perth since before it was cool. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Compared to, yeah, what they're going through. Looking to the future a little bit, do you know what kind of specialisation you want to take in your career? Uh, Intern at this stage? Yes, good. Yeah, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Something that will allow me enough time to be a carpenter on the side. Obviously, you're going to work (laughs) on those tables. Or um, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I want to work in the country. That's something that has always been important to me. So something that will allow me to do that, like an ED or a physician that's quite generalised or a GP. Is that a desire that came about because of growing up in Bustleton or do you think it came about after spending some time in Carnarvon? I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think it started off growing up in Bustledon and mm. not wanting to live in a city. I didn't really like Perth when I first moved to it. Yeah. It was loud. I, didn't, I still don't understand how the trains work, really. I prefer the buses. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you have to press. I've lived here for seven years now. I didn't realise yeah. you had to press the buttons to get off them. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's trouble. Yeah. I'm really good at buses. Um, but, yeah, so I always wanted to live somewhere a bit smaller where you know everyone. It's a bit more friendly. People smile and wave at you. And then Carnarvon last year, that was just awesome living so close to so many great camp spots and with such weird and wonderful people. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? You can really become a part of the community in those smaller places. I'm going to ask about misconceptions you think people might have about either med students or maybe doctors or maybe the kind of medical industry any misconceptions that you think people might have uh don't go out and inject bleach vaccines do not not cause autism what's another good one activating your almonds probably isn't going to do much different (laughs) kind of being cautious of fads and fake news and misinformation around science i take it there's a misconception that we study all the time yeah i definitely don't i'm a slack one (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anyone I'm on a team with. (laughs) I would argue that that's probably a good thing. Like you want, if you're going to be able to make good decisions under pressure, you probably need to be able to separate all of your studies and all of your work from having a bit of a life and some spare room to, you know, look after your mental health. Yeah, burnout's a massive issue in the medical industry, not just with medical students, but obviously with doctors and residents and people in training programs because of the amount of pressure that is put on you and you're constantly high emotion. Um, You're surrounded by people who are dying or in a lot of pain or are unwell in some other way. And so a lot of the time it's easy to forget to look after yourself. Does it ever get to you? Oh, definitely. (laughs) You've seen me have a breakdown. You know this. (laughs) It just – I – I mean, I just not, can't imagine pro- learning to process it. I think a lot of people do. It's part of being human. Yeah. It's not something that's unique to the medical fraternity. Mm. I mean, every time someone hears something sad or something sad happens, they process it differently. I think it just comes with being a human. Yeah. And like learning to, for, for you guys, 
knowing, I guess, trusting that you did what you could and some stuff's out of your control. Yeah. Does it feel weird that you're almost there? Uh, it doesn't feel that weird. This year's been really good in that they're preparing us for internship and easing in us into it. Yeah, and I think it's been such a long haul. We're all kind of just fanging to get to the end. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, what do you find when you're on placement? What do you find people's reactions are to med students when, you know, the doctor says, are you okay with having a med student here or are you okay with having the med student look at you first? How do people usually most, react? Most people are absolutely lovely and they always say you have to learn somewhere and I'm so grateful that <laughs> so many people were like that because it does take a bit of guts to have a medical student interfering. A lot of the time, if you do have a medical student involved, you actually get more time spent with you because mm. our time, we're not paid. Our time's pretty, not worthless, but <laughs> we, we don't have to run off and do things. Yeah. So we can easily spend an hour and an hour and a half with a patient talking to them about everything. And then from that, that can be filtered back to the team who might've yeah. only had 15 minutes to spend with them. So there is a yeah. value in it from that perspective. We often get the little details that are missed. And a bit more kind of person-to-person contact time, a bit more time to explain and to discuss, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. There's the, um, there is the, obviously the procedures, procedural stuff. So we put cannulas in, which are little plastic tubes into the vein, but they have to go in via a needle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big joke about, medical students missing them all the time which is it which is probably fairly earned (laughs) but if it does make people feel any better we have to do that on each other first that grosses me out so much yeah so we practice on each other for those things and we practice on each other for most things so all of the exam all all the examinations we do um listening to heart sounds feeling tummies moving knees all that sort of stuff um that we would have done on another medical student 50 times before we do it on a patient so yeah they're not they're they're definitely not the first guinea pigs (laughs) there's definitely been practice and there has been lessons learned on each other first so do you remember the first time you had to practice putting a cannula in oh I think I do yeah I think we're just in a break room once and we're just taking a couple of uh cart and one of the interns or one of the junior doctors was showing us how to do it on each other pretty sure I missed my first two but I got the third one in on the poor guy that I was doing it on (laughs) Um, but yeah he completely missed his first two on me as well so I don't feel too bad about it (laughs) (laughs) and to finish up with Carly I really hope you brought it your science fun fact please I heard this fact today because I had an online lecture with the consultant I'm following around at the moment and he had the best fact. So we were talking about a thing called Raynaud's phenomenon. It's normally due to a a range of things, but what happens with some people if they've got an autoimmune disease is if their hands get cold, their skin will go completely white and it'll be painful and then it'll turn bright red. And what we say to those patients is to make sure that they keep their hands warm yeah. But but that's not the fun fact. That's just the boring context. Did you know that Siamese cats are temperature-sensitive albinos? What? So Siamese cats have their fur is temperature-sensitive, and so the coldest parts of their bodies are the bits that turn brown. Oh. 
So the tips of their ears, the nose and their feet are all brown coloured. And if you shave yeah. if you shave off a patch of a Siamese cat in winter, yeah, that will grow in brown, but in summer it'll turn white. And those are the same parts of the body in a human that we lose all of our heat through or get the coldest, so our feet and our hands and our nose and our head. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that fun? Like not going to come off of my exams at all, but I'll definitely always remember it. Well, thank you so much for making time to join me today, Carly. No worries, Rose. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Particle Podcast. You can find more of our content on all of the socials as well as at particle.scitech.org.au. This episode, as always, was recorded in the vibrant science hub that is Western Australia and Particle is powered by SciTech.